Welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. If you have the desire to be your own boss, create your own schedule, and become financially free while at the same time helping people in need, then you've come to the right place. At GroupHomeRiches.com, we teach people exactly like yourself how to get started in the group home business. And on this podcast, you're going to hear their stories firsthand. Welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast on today's interview, we actually have a one of our successful coaching clients. This is the last stage of our coaching program. We have Elizabeth on the call. She has just completed filling up her first property, looking for her next couple properties, which she's going to tell us about her journey. Uh, Elizabeth, welcome. Thank you. We also have the founder of Group Home Riches on the call today, Andy. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? So before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of the group home business, Elizabeth, why don't you just give everybody an intro, let us know a little bit about your background and kind of what brought you to this business in the first place. So I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I am a specialist within my own field. And for the past seven or eight years, I do home health. So I drive around town. I visit my clients wherever they are. And I find them in a lot of different places. So throughout the past couple of years, I always had in the back of my mind that, you know, this people can be, it can be done better. I can do this better. I can do this nicely and decently for everybody and make it a win-win for me as well as the clients. But as life has it, you're busy, work, kids, other things. And then early last year, we had the opportunity with an investment property to either sell or with let's do this. And we decided to do it. But of course, you're nervous. You don't know where to start, what to do. So I did my research and I landed on your place for the coaching program, which really helped me get this going. Love it. So you were working in home health and you were probably getting mm-hmm. called in uh, like into these you know shared cooperative housing situations correct correct there's some good ones and there's some not so nice ones and i wanted to make sure i would do this properly set it up legally as far as what i needed i didn't know what i needed at that point in time and make sure to do it right of it yeah there's a few bad apples in the industry out there. You know, some people are slumlords, as you probably saw, but yeah. the folks that do have the good heart and are really yeah. knit to care for people, yeah. I'm sure your contacts and your referral sources are starting to kind of see that. And I'm sure yeah. that they, uh, it probably builds good rapport with them, correct? Exactly. And that's what I really liked when I did my research about the different places for support. I really liked the group home riches because you're very practical, but you're also very realistic. And uh, you don't make things look prettier than what they are. And that's really the way I like to do things. It's just straight on, honest and true. And that's what I found with Group Home Riches. We keep it real. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) keep it real. These are real people. And if you're going to commit to doing this, you have to be responsible and treat everybody fair. So one of the typical kind of first questions that we get, like the kind of first misconception is that as the group home owner, you have to be providing the services for folks. 
you probably didn't since you were actually worked for home health and Mm -hmm. then were getting called into these group homes. That's probably something that clicked for you. But Andy, for the beginners Mm -hmm. out there, do you kind of want to explain the idea of of outsourcing and what home health is and, you know, just kind of the typical what license do you need to get type of question? Yeah, you know, like high level, all you're really trying to do is take a regular rental property and rather than renting it out to a standard tenant or a Section 8 tenant or whatever, you're going to rent it out to individual people. And so if you have a four bedroom home, you could have four people living in there. You could have eight people living in there if you're doing two people to a room. And then all you're really going to be responsible for is providing that housing component. So we typically would provide housing, electrical, gas, food, things like that, and basically outsource everything else. So everything else, the home health component, we would outsource that, let a home health company come in and and do all that. Yep. So just for example, let's say you have somebody that's a senior, they have a private room, but they're going to need a CNA on hand. As you, as the group homeowner, you could just call up folks like Elizabeth, her previous full-time gig, and they come in and provide those services for you. And that eliminates the six to 12 months worth of fees and paperwork in setting up a medical company, basically. Yeah, that that is so much more work. Yeah. Uh, Besides how the building has to be up to code for that particular type of business, it's really not something I'm interested in. Yeah. So was that one of your first questions or did that kind of click for you since you were kind of working? Yeah, I did the work already, the third party provider, but I did not know, do I need a license to rent it out per individual room or per bed instead of just renting it out to a single family, right? Okay, let's get into that. That I didn't know. You're located in Jacksonville, correct? Correct, yeah. So what was the licensing process like to start a group home in Jacksonville like this? Oh, it was ridiculously lengthy. No, just kidding. <laughs> what license there is did, no licensing yep. process. <laughs> and yeah. I was delighted to find out that no. <laughs> and the information you provided about Fair Housing Act anti-discrimination, it all made sense to me. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody in your environment understands it or that the city code enforcement understands it. So, of course, as soon as we started rolling, I had a few people in the house. The neighbors noticed, hey, what's going on there? People talk. And uh, we got a lovely call from the code enforcement department of the city. But they were nice. And we explained everything, sent them the information about the Fair Housing Act and anti-discrimination laws. It took them a little while that they just had some transition in their department. But then after a couple of months, they gave us the final call and said, hey, we reviewed everything and you're clear. So that was wonderful because I wasn't waiting to go fight them on it. I knew we were on the right side of the law, but you don't need a headache like that. So it's nice that everything did come through properly and they agreed that what we do is totally legal. Yeah. So you got to, I guess you could call it the gray area. But it definitely helps to know the laws yourself. So that's cool that you actually got to face that challenge on the first property. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So, and Andy, you've dealt with this as well, correct? Multiple times and we still deal with it. Yep. 
So let's yeah. kind of talk about that a little bit. Like, because when you are dealing with, like you said, Elizabeth, a lot of times, if you're speaking with somebody at the city or maybe even, mm-hmm. you know, your referral sources and things like that, the kind of mm-hmm. go-to mindset is that you need to have a licensed group home, right? Or there needs to be some type of certificate or something like yeah. that. So let's talk about like, what was the kind of info that you gave to code enforcement when they came knocking on your door? Well, uh, we had wonderful resources from the Group Home Riches coaching program. Uh, Then I decided to stay nice, let them know that we're here to help people, but we want to do it right and that we're counting on them to help us do it right. So I wanted to make sure they were on our team, so to say, and not create barriers right away just by the way of responding. And it really makes sense when I tell people that, hey, I have this single family home zoned for single family type living. If I rent it out to say a mom and dad, a couple of kids, and maybe there's a grandparent or an uncle or somebody that moves in with them and they help them out, you'd be okay with that. But if I rent it out to the same amount of individuals that are just happen to not be biologically related or legally related, then suddenly you have a problem with that. And that's when they go, oh. Yeah, well, okay. Yeah, you're right. No, uh, can't discriminate on that. <laughs> yeah, it's on, on its yeah. face. It's discrimination, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> and then we have good neighbors that say, oh, no, no, this is great. I'll let you know when there's trouble. Everybody somehow expects a lot of trouble. But then they get to know people and they're like, you know what? They're fine. There is no more or less trouble than with any neighborhood. And sometimes the grandma around the corner needs to go to the hospital with the emergency. And sometimes somebody from our house needs to go. There's no difference, really. Yeah. What demographic is the home, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, as far as where in the city or what kind of the, oh, the, the people tenets, that we serve? The specific demographic of folks? No, it is mixed, male, female adult only, but we personally interview and accept people into the house as we encounter them and as they are presented to us when we feel that there's a good fit. So there is no real demographic. We do like their medical condition to be under the level of control that they will not have so much trouble and so much things going on that it creates a a big disturbance in the house. But if it's a fit, it's a fit. I do like diversity with people. I think it's healthy for everybody to have a diverse group. I can see how some people would do a certain thing. If that's inclined on their path, that's what they really want to do. You can. But for example, if you have an elderly person and it's all elderly, it's different when you have that elderly person and there's a younger person in there too. The dynamics I find are more positive when I have more diversity. Interesting. So it's just like in general Mm -hmm. kind of affordable cooperative housing. Yeah, exactly. And the only rule is if you can't cooperate, you can't be there. Great rule. (laughs) Yeah. And we put that in legal terms in the tenant Mm -hmm. agreement from the gold course, which is literally you you guys have to cooperate if someone's causing problems get the boot. (laughs) That's right. And everybody is an individually, they're very different in in what they have going on in their lives. 
and uh, they get their services from the home health and visiting physician groups and social workers. We work together with DCF. So everybody's needs is a little different, but their goal is to cooperate together and create that nice home environment that they're all looking for. Beautiful. Yeah. So a bunch Mm -hmm. of good lessons just in, in the past couple of minutes for folks that are maybe new to the business or just kind of starting out and try to figure things out. So you Mm -hmm. got to see some real life examples of outsourcing, right? So the home health agencies, Elizabeth just mentioned, you know, her tenants are working with show workers, caseworkers. That's a whole other service that again, you don't need to provide that as the quote unquote landlord. We've dealt with the licensing issue and what happens if, you know, that's, Pretty much the worst case scenario is if the city comes and like tries to shut you down or say you need to get this type of certificate or this type of zoning, blah, blah, blah. We have the resources for you guys to fall back on that. And a beautiful example that you gave Elizabeth about like, yeah, if I were to have a family and an uncle, that's okay. But because I'm renting to these people, you're going to shut me down. You know, what's the legal term for that? Right. Right. Okay discrimination. Yeah. And Andy, you dealt with that a bunch of times too. You want to give the folks just another, a couple other examples of what could happen if the city tries to mess with you and then how to combat that? Well, so high level, the government, the federal government has actually stated that those people are related because they all have a similarity and their similar characteristic or whatever the, I don't remember the appropriate or correct legal terminology for it is, but They all have some type of medical issue or substance abuse issue or health condition or whatever. And as a result, they are actually related. So there's a million ways of kind of getting around it. But I think the key point and the key takeaway from this call is exactly what you just said. You don't want to get on their bad side, right? You know, like Elizabeth said, you want to be friends with the code people. So you're you're there to help them out and just explain to them, guys, actually, this is how the law reads. As long as you're doing a good job and you're keeping the place clean and you're actually helping out the neighborhood and helping out your community, nobody's going to mess with you. You're seeing it right here as you're explaining it. Initially, code got involved, but then afterwards they realized, hey, Elizabeth's doing a good job and they back off. Right. Yep. And the Gold Course legal section, there's multiple cases that back this stuff up. If it really did, if they really did want to become aggressive and you were to stand on the federal laws, they could have gotten in big trouble, big fines. You could be awarded a whole bunch of money. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> to Andy's point, we don't want to be in court all the time. We don't want to be battling no. with people. We want to be running group homes, right? So. Exactly. But it was so nice when I got the call that I was able you know, to send you the email right away. And you responded back quickly and said, hey, just checking your resources. You can do this. It's going to be all right. It's just like, okay, <laughs> let's just do it. That was let's the beauty of it. being coached. Yeah. Yep. How many other people out there, maybe if they didn't have the gold course or access to us, would just I can't imagine if you're doing down. it just on your own. <laughs> yeah. They you would know, call. Cold turkey. Oh my gosh. You're going to... Ah. And then we had a little incident between two residents, which in their dispute, somebody came at the other person, had a water bottle in their hand and raised it up and yeah, okay, poked it in the eye. So we had a black eye. 
And when you get that call, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, but you've got to remember, you're just a landlord. You're not responsible for them. These are all responsible adults. They're responsible for themselves. But just the shock of it, and then they're 65 and older is a protected group, then the DCF. So I'm like, okay, great. Got to know the DCF now too. We already dealt with the city code enforcement. Just bring it on. DCF, here we go. Police report, pictures, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. And that's the sort of attitude you have to have. You just have to look at it and say, all right, what can I learn from this experience? And that's how right. Can- at least now I know how that goes. And it all, yeah, it worked out. So we move on. Yeah, you're dealing. That's another kind of people like wonder about like, oh, how do you manage the people? What happens if there's a fight, et cetera, et cetera. Look, in, at the end of the day, you're renting out property to people. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with humans. Yep. <laughs> the, the nightmare stories that me and Andy have from regular property management probably mm-hmm. exceeds the group home stuff. I remember. Bye. Brandon, what about the situation last week? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the squatters, right? Yeah. I mean, this is that's just normal par for the course. And that, that's not even a group home yet. Yeah, with, that was just a typical um, investment property that we acquired. <laughs> it was basically a homeless shelter being run by the homeless, I guess. <laughs> right? I guess. Yeah. So yeah, someone from our team had to go in there and get the people out of there. And that's what I had to do too, you know, fight yeah. in with, with meth heads that were squatters, uh, yeah. dealing with shootings, you know, all types of stuff. Meth labs, me and Andy both have, you know, different meth lab stories. (laughs) And this is regular, this is your typical property management, right? You know, regular Mm -hmm. rental properties dealing with quality, you know, quote unquote, qualified people. There's absolutely, like we said, we like to give the good, the bad, the ugly. You're dealing Mm -hmm. with humans. So it's not always going to be rosy and everybody just cheerily getting along all the time. Yeah, it's not. I do like, you know, our group is the social security, social security, disability, dependent person. They are very appreciative of having a safe, good place to be. And they're appreciative that you do inquire on them and make sure that they're okay. And hey, did you go see your doctor and just have that normal human interest in them and what they're doing? It means a lot to them. Yeah. And I I think too, that is really the gratifying part for me. We had, of course, the holidays are just behind us and uh, I invested say, Hey, okay. For the, for the Thanksgiving, I'll pay for the food and you guys put a big meal together and we'll have some fun, which was great. But then for the Christmas, you know, nobody has anybody there as far as family or friends that really support them. Their budgets are low and they live from month to month. So I put out a GoFundMe page with friends and was able to get a good fund for a Christmas party. And everybody was able to have a budget and get gifts. And that was fun for me to do. That's nice. Yeah, exactly. And those are the gratifying things that you know that, yeah, without what you do, those people would be lost somewhere else doing who knows what kind of situation. Yeah. And that brings up another kind of common question that we get who would want to even live in a property like this no one wants to do that but elizabeth just painted a perfect picture of the type of tenant you have these folks they were sold the dream of social security they thought that that was going to be their retirement and that they were going to be able to live on it the average social security check is like 1100 
bucks, something like that. And yeah. That, that's total income. And that's we've right. all rented out there, you know, the typical requirements. You need to have mm -hmm. three times the rent amount, good credit, <laughs> et cetera. So these folks just, they can't rent anywhere else. And you can no. kind of see where they end up, right? right. So, yeah, exactly. And a lot of them, they have their anxieties and depression, but being in a home together, that social isolation is really reduced because you're in a home together. And then keeping up the home as far as the kitchen, the common area, the bathrooms, if you have to do that all yourself, but you're disabled, you don't have the energy or strength to do it, but you can do a small thing together, they keep the house tidy. And they all have their chores and do a little something, whatever it is that they can do. So it works for everybody, really. Love it. You know, you could kind of tell this is what's going to set Elizabeth apart from some of the other places that she worked with, right? You know, just going above and beyond, yeah. actually caring yeah. for the tenants, doing right. these fun things like that. Andy, what are some of the things that you guys do for your tenants? I know, like, you want to touch on, like, the food that you provide and things like that? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to what Elizabeth was talking about. I mean, holidays, as she mentioned, these people, they don't have any family around or family doesn't really want to be with them. So, you know, we try to make it special for them. We'll get turkeys, we'll get hams, you know, it's pretty basic stuff, but we'll do that. And then obviously just in the course during the regular year, yeah, just, you know, food and fruits and vegetables, things like that. Again, nothing fancy, especially now, just because the food costs have skyrocketed over the last couple of years. But yeah, I mean, it's very, very, very basic. I mean, I think on the holidays, we try to make it fun for them. And then during the normal seasons of life, we just provide very basic food for them. Exactly. It helps them feel part sort of a family. Yes. And that's really what you're doing. You're creating families. You're creating yeah. each house. And I mean, we've got a number of properties you know, it's your job to look at the applicants and say, hey, you know what, is this person going to fit well here? Are they not going to fit well here? Will they fit in at the property? And if so, who will they fit best with as mm -hmm. far as like from a roommate scenario? We typically don't do that many single room occupancy. We have primarily like two people to a room. Yeah. So you got to make sure, all right, are they going to be a good roommate for this person? If not, who can we room them with? Exactly. And that brings me also to the house supervisor. Once you have a few people, I just kind of waited and see who was going to be a good pick for me. Yes. And when I approached her about it, I mean, she even started crying. She was like, oh, my gosh, because she felt like she had no purpose in life. Yes. She moved into the house and kind of did her thing. But I could tell she was able, she was a smart lady the way she t reported to me and talked to me about other people was very professional. And eventually I was like, okay, it's time to put a captain on the ship. And I think I know who it's going to be. And she just so happy that she now had something to do and a purpose again. Mm -hmm. Of course, discount was helpful for her budget as well. And that gave her some relief and she's been really good with it. And what are the roles that she plays? Well, she is the supervisor. She keeps the house as far as making sure the house, everybody does their chores. She'll give me a call if she feels like, hey, one of our residents, what's going on with Johnny, for example, he's not doing so much anymore. He seems to be tired so that I can make sure I tap in with his social worker and say, hey, you need to go out there and take a look at Johnny because something's up. 
she has her own problems and disabilities. So she's not there to run the house, do cooking and scrubbing. She's there to oversee it and give me that call, kind of be my eyes and ears. So if there's a problem, I'll know about it sooner rather than later. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Totally worth the discounted uh, bed oh, price, right? Oh, it's so worth it. Yes. <laughs> so worth the discount. We do have a list of rules, but my simple rule is if the house supervisor is happy, I'm happy. <laughs> that is a good rule. Really. Simple as that. And we get along really well and, you know, everybody How- happy. That's my goal is that win-win situation. I want to create win-win situations for everybody as best I can. Yep. That's a perfect mindset to have. Everything's, you know, set up. You have the systems in place. Yeah. Uh, it's full or close to full, correct? It's full. Yeah. About how many hours per week do you think you spend on managing that property? Well, managing the property itself. Mm-hmm. Just in general, fielding Just calls or. Yeah, because the marketing is different. I spend time fielding calls. I've got my waiting list going. I'm looking at my next property to get. So I'm really more busy with that than running the house. The house runs itself. There we go. So I you guys are seeing the. Sure I show my face. They like to see me because it gives them the feeling that you're kind of looking out for them. And of course, yeah. So I, it's... I make sure that the bank account shows the monthly input so that everybody's paid up properly. So I keep an eye on the bank account. Yeah. So, so you guys maybe, are... maybe for them an hour a week. There we if go. There's something <laughs> that I need to do, maybe two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Typically, if there's a new resident, if somebody new comes in, of course, I have to interview them, you know, get them to the property, make sure. Every... And I do. I get the whole group's buy-in. If they get somebody, it's not like, okay, I'm telling them you're getting a new tenant. They all said, yeah, I, we think they work out well. And it creates that buy-in on their end. So that's a little bit of work. And then once the resident is there, I just come and visit a bit more frequently, making sure that they blend in well, that they get acclimated to being there and that everything is cool. And then once I know just, okay, they're good, then I can step back again. Perfect. Yeah. So you guys are seeing kind of the systems that we talk about in the gold course and in our coaching program. Yeah. You're kind of seeing it play out. Elizabeth has her house supervisor. It's the eyes and ears at the property. All mm-hmm. of the services are being outsourced. So like the social work, the home health, that's something that Elizabeth and her company does not even have to worry about. It's completely handled by third parties. Elizabeth, yeah. at this point, she would be what we call the operational manager. And then it takes, you know, like she said, maybe an hour or two to manage the property as long as things are going smoothly. That's why we say each operational person could manage up to like 15 to 20 of these before it becomes kind of a full-time job. Andy, I know I've asked you this quite a bit. I'll ask you again, just for new listeners Mm -hmm. about how much time do you spend in the operational management side of things with your group homes per month? None. I haven't seen half of them in decades. That's the God's honest truth. I mean, Typically, I would say like at the end of the, not the end of the month, but like the beginning of the following month. Yeah, I log on to my QuickBooks, which is how we run everything. Make sure the bookkeepers have got everything updated, run the P&L, figure out how much money I, you know, we made. And that's really it. Oh, 
it's and that's because with the cash flow these things create and generate you can eventually just kind of replace elizabeth's role with the operational manager and you did that pretty quickly with your business correct andy yeah, that was always my goal. I wanted to design a business that would serve myself and my family rather than create a business that I had to serve. Right. You know, look, I know that there's people out there and they've got these crazy visions of grandeur and they want to be billionaires and this and that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I wanted to be well off financially, but I primarily was like, look, I want to help people out, take care of them, take care of myself, take care of my family. And I didn't want to create a business that I was going to have to slave away at from five in the morning till seven o'clock at night every day. I wanted to do something where I could, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. At the very beginning, I was working my tail off to get everything up and going. But, you know, really my, I would say my business model more or less is, you know, I wanted to do all the things that I didn't want to do as fast as I could do them so that I could do all the things that I wanted to do for as long as I could do them. I was like, all right, I don't really want to be laying tile. So we put tile down in all the properties just because it's very durable. I mean, I've had some of these properties since like 2002, 2003. I've never refloored them. They've got the same Hacienda ceramic tile that we bought for 49 cents a square foot back in 2003 in these things. I hated putting it in because, you know, you're on your knees, you're doing the grout and the this and the that and everything else. And I remember being over there until 12 o'clock at night, flooring these places. But I also knew in my mind, I only have to do this once. And once it's done, for the most part, it's all done. And, you know, I wanted to get an, as many of these things up and going as I could. But that's really my philosophy. You know, you just want to do all the stuff that you don't want to do as quickly as you can do it that you can kind of live the life you want for as long as you want to live it. So I love it. Love that mentality. I think we have a new saying, you need to do what you don't want to do as quickly as possible. So you could continue to do the things that you do want to do. For as long as possible. As long as, as, long as possible. possible. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And look, I mean, again, I, I don't want to ever come across braggadocious by any means, but like my lifestyle right now, I've got kids and everything else. And I was thinking about it this morning. I mean, I didn't get back from the gym until I dropped my son off at school at nine, walked and ran a little bit for probably an hour and a half. Then I went over to the gym, just did some basic stuff, swam. I didn't leave there until 1215. Uh, and then the only reason I really left is because I knew we had a, a one o'clock phone call today. But that's frankly, like that's almost what I do every single day. Not usually not that late, but I mean, I probably don't get started with my day until 12 o'clock, but it wasn't like that 10 years ago. It was totally different. Right. Yeah. You need that cash vehicle first um, and right. then be, have the skill of outsourcing. So mm-hmm. while Andy's at the gym, he's got, you know, his operational people handling everything. And also he's providing affordable housing to a ton of people, right? So And do you want to tell Elizabeth about kind of the new bigger projects that you're working on? You know, I think as we always say, and Brandon always says, going to emails and these podcasts, and it is so true. The more people you help, the more money you're going to make. I mean, it really boils down to that. So my business really started off, I've had different businesses, but this one was fantastic. The group home business, right? I mean, it was just unbelievable. And that was really the vehicle that I used to start doing other things, lending money out and buying real estate and things like that. 
And yeah, I mean, look, I've been doing it for a long time and now buying larger buildings, hotels, things like that. And we're providing a lot of housing for people. And most of it is affordable housing. Yeah. And you're probably running into this, Elizabeth, with your marketing, which we'll get into that too. I want to tell people kind of about like the first step to this that we recommend. But you're probably running into places that are looking for single units, like single apartments and things like that, right? Sure. You know, organizations that are working with Mm -hmm. families, right? Yeah. Eventually you could grow this thing and get into multifamily apartment complexes or converting hotels and basically have those things subsidized with these programs. And you may not be thinking of that at this moment, but you're probably creating those connections to be able to do that sometime soon. Right. So let's talk about that. Once you kind of wrapped your head around the basics, kind of got through the course, you know, got your questions answered and everything. What was like that first kind of high ROI activity that we had you do with the coaching program? The marketing call, call, call. <laughs> yep. What is <laughs> Smile what is the, and make the call. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Are you going out to on the no. street talking to people that are homeless? Oh, what do no, we mean no, by marketing? No, there are these online people that freelance themselves. <laughs> And that can do the work for you. Yay. Yeah. Who are all cold calling? Yeah. I just take the field calls as they come in as a result of the cold calling. Oh, cool. So you've outsourced the cold calling. Excellent. Yes. Um, Who are we marketing to? Let's talk about kind of like your referral sources. What's that like? It's very diverse. I have doctors, of course, I have connections myself with doctors and social workers. Then we have the Salvation Army. There's different groups here in town that work with homeless or disenfranchised people. Mission House out on the beach. Even things like churches and food banks can be connections. It's amazing. When you put the word out and when you talk to people, it it always has a return on it because they'll talk to somebody else. You never know how the flow of information is going to go. And then suddenly you get a phone call and says, hey, we heard about you. And the way they heard about you is kind of around and about. And it's like, great, wonderful. Elder Source is one of them as well. So there's really not a bad contact to be made. All contacts are beneficial. 100%. And the word of mouth gets around, like exactly. you said. Yeah. Remind me, did you have the property? You already had the property when you started yes. doing the marketing? I owned the property already. And once you started like having talks with these people, you see Mm -hmm. why that's typically the first thing that we recommend folks do, right? Correct. Yeah. We opened our doors and like three days later, I had our first uh, tenant moving in. Beautiful. And at this point you mentioned it, the wait list, right? So it's just repeating that. So you already have people lined up that are probably waiting for you to get the property, right? Correct. But you learn that too. People do move and they're not going to specifically wait for you either. So I just have a running waiting list so that if somebody moves out or sometimes in their health, they just can't, they have to go to an assisted living or nursing home. Then you suddenly have a spot available. It's nice that you can tap into your waiting list and then send out the email to all your connections that, Hey, I have availability. So you can fill it quickly. Through the marketing, the phone starts ringing, the wait lists begin, and then the challenge then begins. All right. (laughs) You need more property, right? Yeah. I need more property. Yeah. And then where we are. 
that's the name of the game, folks. Yeah. That's so if the, you have that's your, the fun part. Yeah, you have your systems in place. You have your marketing on point. Elizabeth, it sounds like you actually have a lot of the marketing is outsourced at this point, which is awesome. You know, everybody's good in a lot of things. And it's not necessarily my cup of tea to make all these cold calls. Beautiful. So you got somebody on Upwork or Fiverr to do that? Yeah. Cool. I love the MailChimp. I do put a monthly email together and, you know, update on the house and things like that. Uh, just to keep that personal connection with people, it's nice and easy to blast out an email like that. So I yep. do that myself still. Perfect. You may have not have thought of it, but at this point, you're going to become a real estate investor, which is Andy has his systems in place to, you know, after the gym, what do you do all day after you hit the gym and handle the kids, Andy? I mean, what am I doing? To, I'm leasing stuff out today. I got a guy over at one property taking pictures. I'm meeting with contractor today at 3.30. I mean, I'm primarily just looking for new stuff. I mean, that's what I like to do. And I enjoy it. I think you really got to do what you enjoy doing. I feel like I'm pretty good at finding things. I'm pretty good at finding people, obviously. I mean, I'm talking to Brandon right now. (laughs) So (laughs) I think I'm good at finding people. I think I'm good at finding real estate. And that's what I like doing. And I like dealing with people too. I don't like dealing with a lot of people, but I like dealing with people you know, that I have relationships with. I have like building long-term relationships. Brandon's met a couple of these guys that I've been working with for 15 years. You met Julio the other day, didn't you, Brandon? Yep. Yeah. Been working together since probably 2007 or 2008. I've got other guys I've been working with before that. So that's what I like doing. Yeah. Yeah. Finding real estate and keeping the contractors busy. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I like about this business model that even suppose you're not a person that is into that, then you hire somebody for that aspect and you focus on what you want to do within your business. It's quite flexible. It It is. The other thing that I'll bring up with this business is that as we're kind of heading into more difficult times, this business has got built-in financing in it because number one, you're going to get your capital back so quickly just from the actual Mm -hmm. business itself. But you know, if you're smart about it and you start buying the real estate, you don't even have to go to a regular bank for this stuff. You could get SBA lending on it. Even when things get really, really, really bad, the banks love this type of business and this type of real estate to lend on. Yeah, exactly. And if you've already, you know, you set up a house, you know what you're doing, they're just mm-hmm. more likely to help you with that, get yep. that go. Absolutely. So that's yeah, why we'll- I'm excited. We fortunately at this point, you know, we 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 started on this later on in life and we do have some resources ourselves for the next property, which kind of, you know, makes it a little easier in that regard. But after that, we will have to tap into all those things as well. But it's nice when you have things uh, going. We'll touch on that on the coaching call, Elizabeth. You're going to need to find other sources for capital to uh, how to scale this thing. And also, if you can learn kind of the real estate investor skills of finding off-market properties, getting them at a discount. The ROI that you get on these after running the group home business out of these off-market properties is just off the charts. Another kind of common question that I'm going to ask you, Andy, but just for the beginners out there, yeah, what's like the ROI that you get on your group homes? Yeah, it's infinite. You really, okay, real numbers, like true real numbers. If you're following the methodology that we lay out in group home riches, like in the goal course and everything else, and you're getting everything, 
the way that we tell you to get it, maybe you're going to spend $1,500, uh, $2,000 setting up one of these homes. And yeah, you have all your money back in like half a month. So it's almost incalculable. I think we've tried it and it was like calculator just doesn't calculate it. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're getting the homes at a discount with a ton of built-in equity, your financing is low, right? It's just off the charts. If we were to advertise it in the beginning, people wouldn't leave us. So, right. <laughs> right. you know, the average investor, they think, you know, 20% ROI is a scam. Mm-hmm. They, saw, exactly. they saw Andy's numbers. They wouldn't believe it. So. It's for those few select people that have the personality that you do, Elizabeth. It's kind of uh, you lucky, quote unquote, to find this. Yeah, I feel very blessed with it. Perfect. So you got the first property. We're looking mm-hmm. for property number two. I'm going to show yep. you how to some skills here to get like properties number three through 20 or whatever, however you want to grow this thing. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about what are the future plans looking like and, and where do you want to be in a couple of years with this? Well, in a couple of years, I want us to be able to help so many people that I can give them my full-time attention. Beautiful. How many properties do you think you need to have up and running before you can, I guess, retire from the full-time gig? I would say if I want the income from properties to replace my the income that I make as a professional, well, four to five would replace the income already. Beautiful. But of course... You want to build up the business. So what we the revenue from the properties goes back into the next investment. So in that regard, you'd need a little more to be able to continue to invest and then replace your own income for it as well. So I would say nine to 10 should be able to do that. How long do you think that'll take? Depends on how fast we can find them and fill them. <laughs> <laughs> like Andy said, as fast as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, how long did it take for you to get to that point? I think I probably had 10 of them, not as fast as Orlando. I mean, I remember yep. Orlando's, he's crushed it. I think I probably had about 10 of them up and going within probably two years. So we were busting it. We we're fixing up the properties. I mean, it, it does. It takes a lot of time, energy, and effort. But I mean, again, once you have 10 of them up and going, it's a good little cash machine. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, I'm probably a bit slower and have le- a little less energy than you guys. Uh, I'll tell you what, this is also 20 years ago. <laughs> Thank no, you for the clarification. I had, I had no money. I was young. I was broke. Like I had to do it. Exactly. So getting up at three in the morning was no big deal because I got to make this happen. And exactly. so, so things for, are, it's things my are five, different now. It's I didn't my have five year plan. back then or anything. For me, it's the five-year plan. Totally doable. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, get Andy's real life time frame yeah. that he hit that goal. And then again, the not not common, and we called him the record holder, but Orlando did that in a year, his first year. Yeah, so, I know. Totally. He's amazing. So yeah. we are half year in. We're looking at our second property. Realistically, if I keep this pace, typically things will pace a little faster once you really get going. But if I just keep this pace. And have a new home and fill it, you know, every six to seven months, roll on to the next one. Then the five year is a very doable trajectory. Absolutely. And it's retirement at that point, basically. Yeah, to a certain extent. I don't think I'll ever retire, though. I don't think we're that kind of people. We'll find the next thing to do. (laughs) Same. (laughs) 
Very cool. I love to see it. I can't wait to see you grow at that trajectory. We'll definitely have to do a number two here, maybe in six to 12 months so that people can catch up with you. We will get into the real estate side of things here after the interview portion. But do you have any parting words for the folks out there that are listening? Well, feel encouraged. Work with the Group Home Riches. We are a good community. They have so much knowledge and support. It will help you get it done. 100%. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> so just folks, do it. Yeah. Head to groupholmriches.com. If you don't have the free material, sign up for that. Um, we give it, it's a free five part course. And then we give a ton of value in the uh, email list. If this does sound like something that you want to do, we have a number of different products that kind of help you get there quicker. First is definitely the gold course at this point in time. It's just under 200 bucks. And we really try to pack that thing with as much information and value. You've gone through the course, Elizabeth. What do you think about mm -hmm. the gold course? It's fantastic. It's just everything you need, but it's uh, very to the point, which is great because when you want to get this going, time's of the essence. Yep. So I like the direct approach. It's just very straightforward. Straightforward, step-by-step. -step. We really don't try yep. to hold anything back. There's no. a ton of content in there. If you do want to kind of shortcut things, then we do offer a couple of different coaching services where you can kind of work with us directly, answer questions along the way. And kind of the goal with the coaching programs are to kind of get you out of the gold course and just out in the field, taking action as, as quickly as possible. And then we can kind of give you the material that we think you need as you go along. But yeah, if it does sound like something that you guys are interested in and kind of want to take advantage of, head to grouphomeriches.com. And you can reach out to us anytime if you have any questions. And man, they put the whole thing together. Andy, do you have any parting words yeah. for the folks out there? Yeah, I think more than anything else, you just got to take action. If this is something that you think you would like to do, quit thinking so much. Just do it. There's a million things out there that you could do. You could start up a trucking company. You could do this. You could do that. But look, if you only have a couple thousand dollars to your name or access to a couple thousand dollars, in my personal opinion, is the best thing that you could do. So if that's the situation that you're in, just get started. Do it. We're here to help. So reach out anytime. Elizabeth, great mm -hmm. job so far. Been a mm -hmm. pleasure working with you. Love Thanks. to see it. <laughs> we love doing these calls like this. We're working with people that actually uh, take action. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on and sharing your story and hang out. We're going to talk real estate here. Okay. Sounds good.